we've just heard the news that 15 out of the 20 sailors on the Viking Bay have now tested positive. Uh, it's an extremely worrying event for Wellington, I believe. Des Gorman is a medical professor at Auckland University. He's joining me now. How concerning is this, Den? Des, good morning. Oh, good morning, Nick. I think you should be very concerned. Uh, what it demonstrates is that we have shifted the risk from offshore to onshore. Uh, the whole point about doing pre-departure testing and pre-departure screening and pre-departure quarantine is so that we don't end up importing the risk. We've got 15 highly infectious people sitting in a building in Wellington. This is not how you go about business. How likely is it to be the Delta variant? Oh, extremely likely. The Delta variant is quickly becoming the dominant variant worldwide. So I think when you're dealing with any group of people like this, you should assume that it's the Delta variant until proven otherwise. But it really does demonstrate, Nick, that we've imported the problem. And the whole point about pre-departure testing and quarantining is to leave it offshore. How could it have been done differently? Well, basically, it could have been done differently by making sure they were uh, vaccinated, making sure that they were quarantined, making sure that they had pre-departure testing, all the things we've been talking about doing for so long. And I, and I step back, you know, Nick, and I look at this as an aggregate, and I think, well, we're told we can't build quarantine facilities we don't have the workforce to man it. We're, we're told that we've entered into a non-preferential deal with Pfizer because we want to supply the third world well. If you're going to supply the third world of vaccine, it would be AstraZeneca, not Pfizer. We're, we're told um, that 52% only of port workers are vaccinated. You think, gee, looking at it from an aggregate, Nick, you think, where's the detailed plan? But more importantly, how come we can't execute something so simple? I mean, if you look at the way we manage biosecurity for fruit fly in terms of looking after our forests and our orchards and our farms and our vineyards, we're fantastic. What a shame we can't do as well in terms of managing the virus as we do with fruit fly. Do you think we're getting better or do you think we're just stagnant? I don't think we've got better at all. That's the sad thing. Every time I hear people in the sort of, um, I don't mean pejorative, but the Wellington bubble say that they've learnt and moved on, I look at the data and go, well, actually, your contact tracing is no better than it was a year ago. Your border management is no better than it was a year ago. You're keeping promise. I mean, how many times, Nick, have we been promised that the border workforce would be vaccinated and tested? Are you sick of hearing that same rhetoric? Yet here we are looking at the data going, well, actually, you haven't done it. Well, we're hoping to be talking to an employment lawyer in the next hour to discuss whether we can make it mandatory to, that all of them have to have the, the vaccine. Uh, and would that help? Look, the reason why we have public health acts is so that when the public risk reaches a certain level, we can impose things on people. That's, that's the whole reason why you have the public health act. And I would have thought, that our existential risk from this virus exceeded that threshold some time ago. Have we ha had anything like this in Wellington before? No, I think this is probably the biggest concentration of highly infectious people that you've had. I mean, we clearly have had situations like this in Auckland. Though, though you've got to step back and say, hang on, but that wasn't the Delta variant. There's an order of magnitude greater risk here. But I think Wellingtonians have every reason to be asking today, why this risk exists in their city and why it wasn't actually, as I say, kept offshore. Because that, that's the key issue for us. Until we're vaccinated, Nick, we're like, we're like shags on a rock. We are incredibly vulnerable. And that vulnerability will persist until we are vaccinated. So in the meantime, we shouldn't be taking risks like this. Auckland decided that they weren't going to have it in their harbour. We put it... Desert's in downtown Wellington. It's 100... The boat, the ship, is 100 metres from our CBD. Yeah, look, I, look, as I said, 
what a shame we didn't take uh, the virus as seriously, we ta- as seriously as we take fruit fly. I mean, our biosecurity arrangements are absolutely fantastic. We would never tolerate this in terms of the risks to our vineyards and farms. I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to say that we're casual about the way we protect humans. It's, the difference is that um, MPI maintains an incredible network of private and public providers to, who are competent. And what we have here are uh, health bureaucrats who... Uh, policy people trying to manage a complex operation and frankly they're not up to it. Then you have a whole range of other decision makers who seem to default some sort of perverse logic that somehow you can get 15 people off a boat, transport them to a hotel, maintain them in a hotel and keep the rest of Wellington safe. Well, I hope so. I, I mean, in fact, I pray so for your sake, but good luck. What would your message be to the government right now? Oh, I think it's time to step away from their current operating model. Uh, we need a professional governments, governance group and the ACC super fund. Those are the examples of how you govern at arm's length from politicians. I think we need to actually look at how MPI manages biosecurity and say, look, that's, that's how it's done. Enough's enough. We've, we've had 18 months of, uh, bureau, of politicians governing this pandemic and Ministry of Health trying to execute the plan. Enough, enough. Look, in 18 months, they've demonstrated they're not up to the job. That's not a criticism of them. That's just a, a reality that they're not the right people for the job. Des, what is the risk to Wellingtonians today? Well, if the quarantine works properly, um, look, my advice would be people should be in the rooms. No, no getting out for cigarettes, no mixing, no mingling. I think you have to have strict management of what doors open. I mean, you've had people getting infected when you've had Two doors opposite each other on a corridor were opened at the same time and the air has been drained from one room across the corridor onto the other. That's how infectious this virus can be. So I think these people have to, uh, these 15 mariners have to almost be completely isolated for 24 hours a day just to minimise the risk. I, I And we're not, we've got them staying in a hotel. So we just haven't seen anything like this, have we? Well, look, we have in terms of hotels in Auckland. Let me tell you, hotels were designed to get you and me together in a public space to eat food and drink alcohol. That, that's what hotels are designed to do. They're not designed to prevent me from inhaling your exhaled breath. I mean, quite the opposite. So we're using facilities which were built for a purpose, for a for a role for which they were never, ever designed and for which, frankly, many of them are completely unsuitable. Tez, I really appreciate your time this morning and letting the people of Wellington know what they're in for or could be in for in a very scary time for us for the next couple of weeks. Well, you're welcome, and I wish you all the very best of luck.